I don't know if you saw the news, but the coronavirus has made its way to Minnesota. We had our very first reported case. Uh, some of you may be thinking, well, you know, Pastor, what is the church going to do? Well, here's what we're doing. First of all, we are cleaning really, really good. We're treating it just like we do every flu season. We clean really, really good. Also, you are not required to shake hands with the greeters. All right, you don't have to shake their hands if you don't want to on the way in. We don't require that. We do ask that if you are sick, don't come to church. We have a wonderful way for you to hear our message online, so we'd encourage you to do that. Uh, don't bring your, your cooties to church. We'd like you to keep them at home. And uh, we will be monitoring the situation just like we monitor the flu situation every season. It is serious. People do get sick. People can get extremely ill. And we take it very seriously. Even though I'm coming very lighthearted, I am very serious. So please, we are monitoring, we are watching, and if we get to a place that we think we need to cancel a service, watch your social media feed, watch the church website, watch uh, the church phone line, we will, we will let you guys know. But right now, we are taking the precautions that we are told to partake, to take to keep things safe. So that's what we're doing. Now... I also want to say, I'm going to miss Jonah. Uh, you know, when I prep and get ready for preaching to you and sharing with you, those, those Bible characters come alive to me. As I take the truth of Scripture and start putting together, they, they just come alive to me. And I appreciate the wonderful response we've had in the series, I, I, I appreciate how one person came up and said, I just wish there was more chapters to the book of Jonah. Well, there wasn't any more chapters. There was just four. So we have to stop there. We don't add scripture. But today we have the last greeting of Jonah. It's not in the Old Testament, but it is in the New Testament. And it will appear today one more time, and it's, and it's beautiful because it sets up our holy season as, believe it or not, we are mo one month away from celebrating Palm Sunday. Just one more month. So we are going to begin a series starting next week on the last day of Jesus' life. He stops in four special places. And we're going to examine each one of those places up close and personal. I'm going to be your tour guide. We're going to look at what Jesus does in each one of those places and how it impacts you. So, hope that you'll join us as we lead up to Resurrection Sunday. Also, as Braxton pointed out, uh, we are so excited about our Holy Week celebration of Bible studies, that we want you to take part in that. We want you to take those and run with those, that you'll do them at home. We have some for families to do with children, and we would ask that you would take part in that. In fact, we are so excited 
about those. We have suspended Monday, Thursday, so that you can do those at home or do those with your small group. So please be part of those. Also, we wanted to do something for those of you who love art. So coming up this month, we are going to have Lisa Lovejoy do a special paint night for you to bring your friends, and uh, there'll be more about it in the bulletin, but uh, a time where, where you can come and celebrate the season through your art and worship the Lord through your art, and also bring some people who don't go to church and then turn around and invite them to our Resurrection Sunday celebrations. We hope you'll take advantage of that. But my question to you this morning is this. Did you know that Jonah's in the New Testament? Our friend Jonah appears one more time, and it's in the New Testament. If you have your devices, if you have your Bibles, if you have your tablets, if you have uh, eidetic memory, turn with me to Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 38. Matthew chapter 12, verse 38, and we're going to see what Jesus has to say about Jonah. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was, in, was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. I want you to get this. I want, well, I need to keep on going. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment of this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up at judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. So let's pull back the curtain. Let's see what's going on behind the scenes, shall we? Let's see if we can figure out what's going on here that we might be missing in our 21st century. The religious elite have surrounded Jesus it's just a few months before Jesus is going to die on the cross. He is on the beautiful shores of the Sea of Galilee. Now, as you might remember, when we turn this whole place into a map, the Sea of Galilee is right over there, uh, sitting right about Steve. Steve, wave, wave your hand. Yeah, there you go, Steve. That's right. Steve's right there, right there about Steve. He's the Sea of Galilee. And right at the top of the Sea of Galilee, we have a little city called Capernaum. Think of putting a cap on a bottle, Capernaum. And that is about where they're at. And on the shores of the little town of Capernaum, we have Jesus. Jesus. 
So Jesus is there with his, with his disciples, and he is teaching, he's healing people, and he's surrounded by the scribes, and they are the ones who copy down the scriptures. They are all a minimum of 30 years old. You cannot be a scribe unless you are 30 years old or older. They've had to spend many years in intensive study of the law and rabbinic traditions. They were known as the supreme interpreters of the law. And the Pharisees, who are the authorized religious teachers and the lawyers of biblical understanding. Ah, so the heavyweights are here. The people who should know what's going on. They have come to use their knowledge of Scripture not to ask Jesus questions to further their journey with God, but to destroy Jesus. They're here to destroy Jesus. These experts, these teams of scholars and lawyers, are sent with one mission, to cause the crowds to stop following Jesus. Earlier in the chapter, you will read that they have made up their minds to kill Jesus. They are trying to kill him. But before they kill him, they want to deny the people. He is a threat to the religious order. They have their foot on the throat of the people. They have their foot on all that goes on religiously, they control everything, and he is a threat. They have to stop him. They have accused him of healing through the power of Satan. That failed because Jesus destroyed it with his brilliant defense. They accused him of breaking the Sabbath law. Then he teaches them that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He heals a man with a withered hand, and they pounce. They scream, you're working on the Sabbath. And he says, no, it's the heart of God to do good. And don't you value the image of a God-bearer? But the spiritual leaders won't give up. They want to oppress those in their care. And they have one purpose, to stop Jesus. So they launch their latest attack. And notice how they started out. Teacher. Oh, teacher. Now, that word is a word of respect. But they have no respect. There's no respect here. I believe that sarcasm dripped from their lips. But they're playing to the crowd. They want to embarrass Jesus, so they start with respect. So they ask him for a sign. They know that no sign is required of the Messiah. They are the experts of the Scriptures. You don't require the Messiah to have a sign. But they don't care because they know the people don't know that. They wanted to trip up Jesus. So Jesus, give us a sign. What kind of sign? 
Elsewhere, it's a sign from heaven. They want a sky sign. Why? Why a sky sign? Well, because healing the sick, causing the lame to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear, raising the dead, calming the storm, just isn't enough. How about feeding the multitudes? Nope, nope, not quite enough. We want something big. Make the constellations change or disappear. Cause the, the moon to change color and move across the sky. Uh, once you cause the sun to stand still, Jesus, then we'll believe you. Yeah, then we'll believe you, Jesus. That's when we'll, we'll throw in with you. Yeah, that'll work. We want something so mind-boggling big. But Jesus, if you can't do it, then you're not the Messiah. Now they had a habit of wanting people to prove themselves. There's a false legend, it's, a, it's a, just a legend that went around about a rabbi named Eliezer, and supposedly he was a teacher and his um, authority got questioned, and they said, you got to prove yourself, and in, in the little story, uh, he has to make a tree move 450 yards. He has to make a, a river flow backwards. He has to cause a wall that leans to go back up. And finally, he has to cause a voice to speak from heaven, which says, why aren't you believing Eleazar? What he says is true. I mean, it, it's so ingrained in their culture. Show us a sign. Show us a sign. These people wanted Jesus to have a squadron of angels descend on the temple. They wanted him to turn the moon to blood to prove he was Messiah. And here's what would have happened if he'd done it. Ah, uh, Jesus, I'm sorry. I was out for popcorn. I missed it. Could you do it again? Hey, that was great. What's the encore? I still don't believe. I still can't follow. I still need to move the goalpost. It's never going to be enough. Do another trick. So Jesus replies. An evil, adulterous generation seeks for a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You see, every morning, this is what Jesus knew, every morning they would get up and they would quote something called the Shema. And they'd go, oh Lord, oh Lord God, 
We love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might. We love you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You see, their sin was not seeking other gods. Their sin was not sin of of the flesh. Their sin was they were lying to God. These people said, we love you, God, but they didn't really. They loved their own man-made rules. They loved their own man-made traditions. And when Jesus appears, they go, well, you're not the one we want to love. We love our rules. We love our traditions. We can't love you. Yes, yes, every morning we say we love you, but we don't really love you. So, Jesus, would you, would you do some tricks for us? And Jesus says, listen, I'm not your puppet on a string. I'm not a monkey to perform. I only do the will of my Father. I'm not going to do some useless parlor tricks to amuse false seekers of a little G God. So hear me, seeker. If you're here today and you're sitting here not sure about Jesus, may I say something to you, and I say this with respect. God's not going to stop the sun for you. He's not going to turn the moon turquoise. He's not going to cause a star to explode because you and I shake our fist and say, unless you do this, God, I'm not going to believe. He says, I've sent my prophets. I've given you the word of God. I've sent my son, Jesus Christ. The heavens themselves declare my glory. And if you're an honest seeker of me, you will find me. But to these false people, he says, I'll give you a sign. I'm going to give you the sign of Jonah. And this caught them by surprise. Jonah? Jonah? The runner, the guy who stayed in Nineveh, the guy who was swallowed by the sea creature and was spit out, why him? Jesus is giving a predictive prophecy. He is giving them a prophecy in picture form. And that picture is for you and me to see. Notice with me, he's first of all, Jesus is saying, listen, I believe in Jonah. He's real. I believe in him. I believe him. He's not a fish story. He's truth. Secondly, listen to what I'm saying. He says, this isn't a mistaken time. Now, some of you are going to say, okay, now, Greg, I know we're coming up to Easter resurrection and you know this whole time thing of Jesus in the tomb in three days understand in Jewish terminology the way time works part of a day is a day okay 
Part of a day is a day. And the way Friday, Saturday, Sunday works counts as three days and three nights in Jewish terminology. If you need to understand more about that, I can, I can explain it to you. So he's saying, the picture's here. And his sign, it is the sign that was, it's not the sign that was demanded, but it was the sign that the world needed. It was the sign that would prove that Jesus is the Messiah the world has been waiting for. It is the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the sign of Jesus Christ, which Jesus, that Jonah was a picture of. But it's also the sign that he knew would be rejected. He knew they would reject Jonah's sign. He knew they wouldn't believe it. In fact, he prophesied of it. He told a story about them not believing it. Jesus' story was an amazing story. It was a story about a rich man and Lazarus. It's found in Luke 16. And when you get home today, please read it. But I'm going to give it to you. There was a rich man dressed in fine clothes, had the best of everything. And as it, at his gate was a, was a beggar named Lazarus. Now Lazarus, he was, he was just destitute. In fact, his medical care was delivered by dogs, basically. If he, if he broke out into sores, it was the dogs licking his sores. That was his medical care. That's what the scriptures tell us. So the rich man wants for nothing. Lazarus wants everything. And they both die. And when their eyes open, Lazarus is with Abraham in a place called paradise. Abraham's bosom. And now he's receiving a reward. Now he's being taken care of. And across a chasm, there's the rich man. And he's in torment. And the rich man cries out. He says, please, could you just send Lazarus over and just take a little drop of water and Put it on my tongue. Just, just that much would be, would be wonderful. And Abraham answers and says he can't. There's a chasm between us. Lazarus can't go. He says, then, then would you do me a favor? Would you, would you send Lazarus back to warm my family, warm my brothers so they don't come here? He says, I can't. They have Moses. They have the prophets. No, no, they won't believe Moses and the prophets. And this is how Abraham responds. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they can be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. 
That's a picture of Jesus. Jesus said, even if I rise from the dead, you aren't going to believe. Your hearts are going to be so hard, you're not going to believe. It's a predictive statement. He says, you've You've got the truth of Scripture. You have the prophets. But religious leaders, you're not going to believe. Even if someone's raised from the dead, they come into town, they said he's gone. He said, okay, okay, here's the plan. We're going to pay you to spread the word that you fell asleep. And that the disciples came and rolled everything away. And stole Jesus' body. Now, there's so many things wrong with that. So many things. We don't have time to go into it. But they refused to believe the truth right in front of them. And he says, now, because of that, you're going to have some consequences. The men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. The prophet who didn't want to preach. And they repented at his... Behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jonah comes, he has no miracles, he gave no promise of deliverance, shows no love, no desire to help, but God moves and the revival breaks. And he says, you religious leaders get this, these Gentiles are going to stand up and judge you. You who are so judgmental, the Gentiles are going to stand up and judge you. That was the ultimate insult. They're going to judge you. In fact, it's anchored on the story. And then he goes on. And he says this, The queen of the south will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Again, another Gentile comes up. The prophet and their hearts have hardened and hardened and hardened till finally in Matthew 23, listen to Jesus' words to this very Scribes and Pharisees. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, We lived in the if we if we lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of the blood of the prophets. In other words, if we'd lived back there, we'd been the good guys. 
We would not have taken part with them in the shedding of the blood of the prophets. Thus you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of, of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of you who will kill and crucify, some of you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that you may come all the righteous blood shed on this earth from the blood of the righteous, Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barakai, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. What he's saying is, all the guilt will fall on you. All the guilt. Why? Because your hearts have become so hardened against God. You're going to be judged. That's found in Matthew chapter 23. It is one of the saddest chapters in the Bible. Why? Because the Jewish leaders turn their back on Jesus, the Son of God, who will prove himself through his death, through his burial and resurrection, and this Arab queen, and then the Gentiles of Nineveh, who are outside of God's covenant, will, will stand up and condemn these leaders for keeping the people from God's Son. And their faith, the faith of the queen, the faith of the men and women of Nineveh, will condemn these Jewish leaders, and God will honor their faith. So what is the sign of Jonah? It is the history-changing death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is more important than any sun standing still. It is more important than the moon moving across the sky. It is more important than any constellation disappearing. Here, the Son of God descended from heaven and took our place on the cross and died a true death. He was buried in a borrowed tomb and three days later rose from the dead, defeating death, sin, and the grave and sealing salvation for all who put their trust in Him. No event is more important in all of human history. Yet this morning, as I teach, some of you may say, Greg, I've heard it all. Yeah, I know. I know all about this, Pastor, but I'm struggling with life, Pastor. I've got other things I need to think about. Why talk about this? Because this is the sign of Jesus. Friend, it's the sign that proves that He is the Messiah. He is the one that is your present and future and all your hope must depend upon. And my friend, if He can defeat death 
and the grave. What can't He handle in your life? What can't He handle? He's handled the big things. God is calling out a people who will love Him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Who will say, I am His and He is mine. Where He leads, I will follow. Who will lean on Him for their strength when times are good and when times are hard. And who desire to be used by Him to build His kingdom. As we prepare for Resurrection Sunday, which is coming in just a month, as we begin to journey to the cross, the tomb, and the stone that will be rolled away, my question for you today is, where's your heart? Is it like Jonah? Hard? Rebellious? Or is it like the Queen of Sheba? The people of Nineveh? Seeking God and desiring to be His? Where's your heart? The choice is yours. Amen?